0: Coming up on episode 198 of Wheel Bearings, we have a full garage this week. In the news, Lotus is selling the tooling for building the Elise. Tesla is eventually gonna start shipping vehicles from its new plant in Texas. But for anybody inside of Texas that wants to buy one of those vehicles, it's going to have to be shipped out of the state first, sold there, and then brought back in. We also discussed Tesla's decision to drop radar, and Mazda has discontinued the CX3 and the 6 sedan in North America. And we've wrap it all up with some listener questions, all coming up right now on Wheel Bearings number 198.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make?
0: Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to Patreon.com/WheelBearingsMedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you, and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So, if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to Patreon.com/WheelBearingsMedia. Yeah. Welcome to episode one hundred and ninety eight of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abual samage from Guidehouse Insights.
3: I am Nicole Wakeland from Auto Vital.
4: I am Roberto Baldwin from Let's Say Gadget this week. All right. So, Nicole.
3: Yes. What have you been doing this week? I've been driving several cars this week. <laughs> I started out with a gigantic Nissan Armada, the twenty twenty one Nissan Armada. In the fancy platinum trim.
0: It's comparatively Um, gigantic by Nissan standards.
3: It's well, you know what? It just I don't care what the actual dimensions are, but it feels huge. Like you literally feel like you're driving a tank, which I guess is good. If you've got your family on board, you kind of feel like someone could smack into you and they just go boing and bounce off. You'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Was that a Mack truck? Didn't notice. Like it feels (laughs) so it feels very safe in this very, very enclosed. I like it. I like the Armada. And I think the inside of it is um fantastic there's something interesting about the you know it's big it's bold it's it's a beefy car but you get inside and everything is so beautiful like i had the platinum trim which is way up there um and it's, I mean, you do feel like you could, again, tow a house off a foundation. Uh, there's no no doubt that it can do every kind of capable thing that you might possibly want to do. Um, and they made some updates this year. I guess it will be considered, what, like a refresh. There's a little bit of a styling update. And it does, it was looking a little old, a little like last year's news for a while. And it does look a little more modern now, a little bit more with it. Um, and I love the interior of this. It's, it's it's not an inexpensive car. It's almost $70,000 and you want it to look like a $70,000 vehicle. And it does, it looks it and it feels it and it's super comfortable and super roomy. So I was, I was a fan of the Armada. I, I would say plus one, if you're looking for a vehicle that has the capability to tow, hold a ton of cargo and have your family inside and comfortably so. You don't feel like, you know, the kids in the second row will not be able to touch each other if you put them in car seats and, you know, across <laughs> from each other. They won't even be able to attempt to walk, you know, put their arm across the imaginary center line. They can't even reach it. Um, so, yeah, I was, I like the Armada.
0: So, last time you had the Suburban, the Chevy yes. Suburban. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you were in the market for a full size body on a frame SUV, like a, you know, a true suv not a crossover thing right yeah which i mean well first of all i forget how much was the suburban do you remember
3: oh i don't remember the Suburban's pricing off the top of my head i feel like it was more than this but i also remember the suburban i had had the diesel engine you don't have a diesel in this so you so you've got a level of that's a pretty big change you know so and i remember it being a pricey addition to the suburban um So if you strip that out, let's say we were just talking gas powertrain versus gas powertrain. Um, I think it's hard because the suburban is more has been more recently redone. It it feels um, slicker and more refined. I don't know that driving wise it does. Just in terms of the interior impression. I mean, these are vehicles that you're if you're getting something this big with this kind of seating, you're you're carrying a family a lot. Like, why would you bother getting something this big if you're if your family isn't in there and you aren't doing a lot of road trips or you know weekend adventures to the cabin or something? Um, and I think. The Armada has a nice combination of feeling upscale, but also feeling like your kids aren't going to destroy it in two seconds. It has a certain durability to it. And as far as driving them both, what I was saying in the beginning, the Armada just really, it feels tough. It feels substantial. Not that the Suburban doesn't, but the Armada feels more substantial to me than that. So I think despite it not having been all new for quite a while with a little bit of a facelift that they did, I think I would go Armada.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, the Armada, uh, along with the Infiniti QX80 are both based on the the Nissan Patrol, which is an SUV that they've been selling overseas for a long time. Um, and, and the current generation of the Patrol, which is basically what they're still building now that actually debuted in early 2010, so this thing is, you know, more than 11 years old. This current generation, it's gotten, you know, several, in, in, uh, you know, updates along the way, but it's still the same basic vehicle they launched over a decade ago, and you know, it doesn't look fundamentally different. Uh, you know, the, the most different now is when they refreshed the QX80 a year or two ago. You know, uh, after they launched, they are after they launched. This generation of the Armada in 2016, a couple years later, they refreshed the QX80 to kind of separate it a little more visually. It's got a different grill, different lighting, things like that. But, you know, this this is really kind of an old vehicle. It um, is.
3: And, but it, it doesn't. I feel like just the little tweaks they made this year, the styling tweaks uh-huh. inside and out were just enough that you don't look at it and think, oh, this is an old Nissan product. It it just doesn't feel it felt like that to me last year. Last year, you kind of looked and went, this sucker's old. Now (laughs) it it has a little bit of an update so you don't feel it. And by the way, I went and dug out the Maroni for that Chevy Suburban that I was driving last week. So the Armada that I have is $68,250, which is not cheap. The Suburban was $82,465. That's a significant price difference huge price difference so you do get the diesel in there which um i can't find the pricing of the diesel so i mean there's that but that's a big price difference like for a more updated last time it was all new was more recent vehicle are you willing to pay 70 like 20 grand you know or not 20 grand math is hard Twelve thousand (laughs) dollars. whatever it's early on a sunday for me so um I I still think I go with Armada, which is not normally like me. Normally I'm going to go for the one that's been more recently updated because it feels like the changes are so significant that when you compare something that's as old as the Armada is to something newer, it really, really looks it. I don't feel like it looks it or feels it anymore. I feel it, especially that... Don't underestimate how much just changing small things in a car, changing the grill a little bit, changing the dash a little bit, suddenly gets rid of the sort of old vibe of it. You don't even realize how much that makes a difference. And it does.
4: Yeah. Well, I think and Nissan really needs to do this because they've been in, you know, they've been in trouble financially. And, and even their, their, you know, everyone feels like they've sort of fallen off their sort of mid-premium, you know, platform. If you can get Nissan's rental cars and that's not, you know, and for, you know, that that's hurt their That's hurt. That's hurt. You know, the Nissan brand. And I think if, if they can, if they can refresh things without doing big huge changes, I mean, Toyota does this all the time and Toyota, Mm -hmm. Toyota continues to dominate in so many markets. Um, If Nissan can do the same thing, that's good for them because they really, really, really need to get people to think, Oh, these cars aren't, you know, 10 15 years old uh anymore these are actually new cars at least they look new and they feel new regardless of whether or not the uh, what's going on underneath is new
3: right it it makes a first impression now that doesn't feel like an older car it makes a first impression that feels like a, a modern recently updated car despite the fact that it's not a lot of it isn't
0: yeah yeah especially especially you know that the new screen the new touch screen they have you know it's much larger than before um You know, the last Armada I drove a couple of years ago, or maybe about about a year and a half ago, it still had the old touchscreen, you know, and and something I've complained about for a long time with Nissan's is that they they sourced really terrible displays. You know, the displays, (laughs) the the screens they used were just awful. You know, they were dim, low contrast. Uh, You know, they, they didn't they did not look good. Um, you know, and, you know, they suffered from problems with glare. And if you wore polarized sunglasses, you know, they kind of disappeared. So, you know, this new one, it's, you know, it looks like it's got a much better display. How was how the display in this one?
3: Actually, you can notice the difference. That's a large part of what makes the inside of the Armada feel more updated. The old display was fussier, not as clear, not as crisp. Everything when you sit down and you look at that dashboard feels cleaner, more refined, more modern. And that's a huge, it's a huge difference. You know, we all use tech every day and that infotainment screen, that's all tech. And, you know, we're getting new phones every two years and new whatever, you know, things have a very short shelf life in the tech world before they're just, they're obsolete or they look that way. Uh, the old Armada looked that way when you looked at that dashboard. Now the screen is very crisp, very clear. Everything is it, it i like i said is i know it's not an all new but it feels so greatly changed for the small number of changes that they made
0: yeah i mean and I've, I've always liked the the driving dynamics of the armada you know i always thought you know for a big heavy suv like that it actually had pretty decent ride quality and and handling um i you know, when they first launched this the the patrol based armada here in the u.s a few years back they did a drive program out in uh in Carmel. And, you know, I spent some time driving it out there and, you know, I was, I was quite impressed with it at the time.
3: Yeah. It's, it's that it's hard to make a really, a truly a huge SUV feel anything feel good to drive feel sort of light in its feet feel like it's substantial enough to do what you need it to do capability wise but still not feel unwieldy and uncomfortable and just like so heavy you know you change lanes and you wait for it to swing along with you <laughs> and some of them do that you know and this one you know you change lanes I was driving it in uh, pretty heavy traffic in in city traffic in Boston and it was you know tight lanes lots of traffic and you can you can sort of weave in and out as you need to without feeling like oh gosh this is uh, it's too heavy uh, i can't manage these turns i can't manage these corners it's it's really a, a great suv to drive i enjoyed driving it i enjoyed the look of it and i really like the updates that they did so that was my my overall um, and now i now i've moved from giant heavy suv to something a little more friendly to
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was that
3: now i am in uh this week i am in a subaru forester which is now I'm driving, you know the the poster child brand for New England. Like you can't live here and not have a Subaru. And I've never owned one, so I feel like I'm covering my bases every time I get a press car. I'm like, look, I'm driving one for a week, guys. I'm good.
4: <laughs> Does it come with a dog? Because I feel like every Subaru needs to come with a like a lab or, it didn't. or a retriever I was totally or, disappointed. Or, no. or, or 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 a box of puppies. You or know? Just a, a box, box of puppies. Of puppies.
3: No dog, no box of puppies. I felt a little cheated, but you know, I won't let that get in the way, you know, um, but See, the, I like this one. I like the, it.
0: The, the last auto show I was at, yeah, you know, I think that all of us that any of us were at was the, <laughs> the Chicago auto show last year, beginning of February last year. And the, the highlight of that show bar none, you know, because there's usually not a whole lot of news in just the Chicago show. Mm-hmm. The highlight of the show was clearly the Subaru puppy corral. I mean,
4: it's, it, it they, they, they every American show they have the puppy corral and every American show you're like okay I gotta look at do this and I gotta do this and I gotta go write about this and I gotta take pictures of this and I, oh my god puppies yes
3: <laughs> yeah. like, everything comes it's like I have this really good debut I have to go look at this oh wait and they do like yeah and what always cracks me up is like there's you know not like everyone's super formally dressed but some people are like in suits and skirts and stuff and you're all being like professional businessy people and then they're like sitting on the floor in a pile <laughs> (laughs) of puppies it's like that's okay my suit's covered with dog hair now no big deal (laughs) yeah
0: it's worth it
3: the thing with subaru is they have standard all-wheel drive they have that capability they're not those the the capability that like i'm gonna go rock crawl up a mountain but they're enough that you can really do a little bit off-road you can But then you can easily go on city streets and they don't feel like they're off-road vehicles. That's what I like about Subaru because there's so many off-road worthy cars that once you put them on the pavement, they're so jarring, so bouncy. So the suspension system is just too tailored for off-roading. So the minute you have to take that car into the office, your teeth are rattling every bump you go over in the road. And that's never fun. Subaru does a phenomenal job of making it so you can take it in the dirt. You can take it off road. You can have a little fun with it. But then when you drive it to work on Monday morning, you're, you know, filling stay in your, in your teeth. It's, and that's what the Forester does. And it, and it has more room than, you know, than some other crossovers. It has that sort of, I always want to call it a station wagon. I know it's not, but it's got this like crossover-y station wagon kind of vibe happening with the look and the way it...
4: I don't I, think there's well, anything I'm, wrong with the word station wagon. I One of the first uh, cars except that, I drove, Except that Americans won't buy one. Except now yeah, that just don't like... Say yeah, it. yeah, no one's yeah, going to buy As long it. as you don't say it to, to to the average buyer, it's like minivan. As long as you don't say the uh, word minivan, if you show someone a minivan, they're like, oh, that's cool, but then you'd say the word minivan, they're like, oh, no, never mind. I think it's... Right. <laughs>
3: it, there's this like bad perception, but I'm like, it kind of sort of <laughs> is a, like a station wagon, and there's... Station wagons are kind of cool. There's good reason. Like minivan there's really good reasons to buy them. Station wagons, there's really good reasons to buy them. So I think the Forester walks that line between crossover and station wagon and leans more towards station wagon than a lot of other vehicles. And I actually like that about it because it has a huge amount of room. We went and got bark mulch yesterday because yard work in 40 degrees in New Hampshire, because it's only May. Um, and <laughs> we were th- like, we took that car and I thought, Oh, I wonder if we're going to have enough room. And we had enough room in that. Like, literally I'm like, I should have done more shopping at home Depot. Like yeah. there's so much space in the back of that. And it's so easy to toss things into it It has a really low, low floor too. So as you're hauling stuff up, you don't feel like you're, you know, lifting it to chest height and yeah, tossing, it tossing it in. It. You're just lifting it a little bit. So, the capability the utility and then there's the comfort factor it's a comfortable car you yeah. know it's easy for the family to ride along and roomy um it does you know it does what it's supposed to do and i i'm a fan how much I was like that one Thirty four thousand and change that's not bad and this is the limited which is i believe one trim down from that i want to say there's one more i'm drawing a blank i want to say they have another trim up there but it's it has like heated seats and leather seating surfaces. It has their eight inch, you know, um, infotainment screen. This one includes a Harman Kardon eight, nine speaker audio system, a heated steering wheel. So this isn't like a base blah version of the Forester. This is a pretty well-equipped version of it. So there's not a lot that you're going to want to add to it. You know, I'm sure there's bits and pieces you could add, but it's not something you think, well, I I spent $34,000 on this, but I didn't get the cool stuff. You got the cool stuff. Um, I think the only thing that I'm not keen on, and this is just me, I well, it's not just me; it's the entire planet of automotive <laughs> journalists. I don't like CVTs as a rule, and this one is can get this one can get a little bit noisy on the highway. Like, as you're accelerating hard to get on the highway, you're like, "Oh yeah, this has a CVT." Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't notice it in town, but suddenly to get up to you know 65 miles an hour, you're like, "Oh, there it is."
4: Yeah, Subaru so. sticking with the CVT is still like it makes a, a really good uh really mean, they make great cars but at the same time we're like oh yeah but the cbt
3: right that's
4: uh, just get rid of the cbt and then you yeah but you know I, right. I i feel like the people who buy it don't care that's the weird thing i don't think they do either yeah. i
3: really because you're not you get it's like even if it's a little bit no, and it's not like horrifically noisy like they were a few years ago but i just i'm aware of it um but you're not. You're not. Is, buying is it the noise car? of the trans,
0: the transmission, or the the engine, just because of where this, you know, the the revs that the CVT is putting it out well, when like you're accelerating? it's the
3: engine. It's the, yeah. what the CVT does to the engine, I should say. Yeah. Um, okay. So that you hear it, you know, you know, you're driving a CVT when you're just, when you get when you're trying to get on the highway.
4: It's just weirdly mapped, I think. Is, yeah, it, is that maybe. what it's
3: just I don't
0: it's, know. It's doing doing the motorboating thing where it yeah. revs up to 4,000, 4,500 yeah, like RPM. You don't, you don't and just hear it just sits there. in town
3: driving, but yeah. when, as soon as you start to get on the highway, it's like, Oh gosh, that is, that is loud. <laughs> and then once you get up to speed and you ease up a little bit, it's like, okay, I'll calm down now. But that, that hard acceleration,
4: you, you just reach over and turn up your Jack Johnson CD. And then you're like, yeah, right.
3: just drown it out. <laughs> <laughs> he
4: plays. I I I for the life of me I can't think of a Jack Johnson's song, but it seems like the kind of you know if you had a Forester that's what you'd would, you would have. That's what
3: you would be playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Jack Johnson or NPR. You know what's
3: NPR? Or, I don't know that that could drown it out. NPRs they're just
4: oh that's mellon. true.
3: they're delivering. Yeah. A so they need it. They
4: they need a whole commercial where they have they show the old listen to the old CVT with NPR then listen to the new whatever transmission <laughs> and you can hear you know Ira Glass say whatever he's saying. And they're like the new there Subaru, go. and then there's a dog driving.
3: Because there has to be a dog. Yeah.
4: You know, you know, you know. What's funny is that they have the 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 Forester like Sport, and all they do is put little red trim around it. And for some, but red is sporty. But it looks and for some reason. Whenever I see one of those, like that looks really good. And it's just like a little some little red bits they add to make it look better. And for some reason, well, that's
3: why there's, there's there's like a million appearance packages on all these different cars out there. It's like what is you know it's the. Trail Boss Edition. What does it do? It has red, or it has <laughs> green, or we or we put a we put a slightly larger spoiler on the back, or it's like you, they did almost nothing. They changed the color. You're like, ooh, yes, I you, will pay an extra three thousand yeah. dollars. for you that.
0: get you get a Polestar you know? engineered Volvo, you know, and it comes with yellow seat belts.
3: yellow seat belts, exactly. the yellow Suddenly seat belts. That car got cooler, yeah, it's so like all much it takes. better. Yep, those yes. yellow
4: seat belts. Midnight, like, midnight's the big just a, black,
3: just a little, yes, black everything yeah. out, just a little bit of color or black everything out, so you're just like. Stealthy, like yeah. FBI van version of whatever car you're driving. Well,
0: I think that Toyota just this week uh, announced was a midnight edition of the the Prius, you know, all blacked out. Uh, like,
3: uh, come on. So does it make the Prius really? actually look like a badass?
0: No. Car. Well, it just makes I it mean, look less. You know. Less so it's it's badass. not
4: it's not it's not quite as noticeable. Well, I can't yeah. see it, so it's a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't show up on radar, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't. I don't think Priuses actually show up on radar anyway. I, I think that they are completely stealth, regardless of what color they are.
3: You can never yeah. see them. I They're just invisible. I had. I, had a, they're they're in I, had a, I was going to say because they don't go fast enough yeah. most of the time, yeah. but you know.
4: I had a video shoot this week, and the um the support car was a gray Prius, and so I would have to follow it in like Bay Area traffic, and it would <laughs> it would be right in front of me, and it would disappear. I'm like, oh god, where'd the car go? Where would the car? Go? <laughs> oh, oh, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. Okay, I I could tell it was the car because it had a GoPro on it. That's the only. <laughs> That was you hand.
3: look for the gopro you didn't just look for a gopro just kind of floating along in space yeah it was sort of like car. a little gopro
4: but yeah, yeah the prius itself just kept disappearing and once it was two cars ahead of me we were stuck in traffic there was an accident blah 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 but um it was gone as far as it was like two cars ahead of me i'm like well can you guys text me the uh, the directions to where are the address to where <laughs> we're going because i can't find the car it's gone forever. All right, Robbie, what have you been driving this week? What were you following that Prius in? Uh this week I oh, I was following the, the Prius in the ID4, which I think I oh, okay. I feel like I've talked about like maybe too much. Uh so but I so I'll move on to um, I was driving the uh, Polestar 2 this week, which uh, is it's very kind of complicated cuz they they are they're the performance arm of Volvo, but Polestar 2 as a Polestar as a company is is not it, they're like sister companies it's very weird the way they have it all set up um it doesn't matter but it's polestar 2 it's the first ev from this company the first the polestar one was a hybrid um i i, I drove it i shot video i did a, a a video review of it and i really dig that car it is the sensibility and solid build quality of a volvo volvo which i for some reason i can't see the word volvo very well <laughs> so that was a fun day shooting video uh uh but it's <clears throat> it's like that you know i mean that that minimalism that minimalistic interior of of the volvo and all the things you kind of like about volvo but it's like really quick really fun uh ev and so yeah i drove that this week it's uh it's pricey it's you know uh was it 59 990 so it's sixty thousand dollars uh That's... for the for the uh or uh, I'm sorry, it's fifty fifty five thousand dollars not fifty. So that's five thousand dollars cheaper there math uh, So it's about fifty five. Th- yeah for the for the uh, the version I was driving um, There's a there's a uh, rear-wheel drive uh, single motor version coming out uh, Probably this year um, That'll be less expensive um, but it is you know it and it's 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 going up squarely up against the um, the model three and it is, it doesn't have the range of the Model 3. Um, it's, you know, nothing does. Tesla continues to, to dominate when it comes to range. But it is, it's just a great little car. I really, really like it. I like the way it drives. I like the way yeah, um, it looks, even, you know, sometimes you look at it and it looks a little too tall, but for the most part, I like the way it looks. I like the way it feels. It just feels like a nice, solid, premium, uh, sporty EV. And I, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's sort of, I've driven it a few times before for like a few hours, you know, they kind of, here's the car for two hours, go drive it around. But I had it for about a week and yeah, after the week I was like, oh yeah, I, I really liked this. I can see the market for it. It's still that, you know, Volvo and Polestar are always going to go for a premium market. They're always going to be expensive. You know, you're not, they're, they're not going to build an ID4. They're not going to build a Chevy Bolt. They're not going to build anything like that. So, you know, don't expect a cheap Polestar ever but uh yeah and you know uh, android automotive os using it for the week i was like this is really really nice i really like because you can just ask it and tell it things because it has that you know, it's got know. google assistant yeah, built the google in. assistant which is i mean it's difficult to beat google assistant it i mean google Assistant's better than than carplay and i to be honest amazon alexa every time i use it it's always oh gosh i don't know and, and it's not like google's better <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, then I talk about there's there's privacy issues, there's tracking issues, there's all these things that go along with using Google in your car now because you we're already using it on our phones, and a lot of us are using it. You know, maybe they have a, a home assistant, maybe they have a tablet, maybe they have a TV. Uh, so you know, it's it's just one more bit of information that Google has about you. But overall, you know, it was it's a it's a great uh, operating system for 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 vehicles. You can ask it things like how far is LA and how much is Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I asked how much it was. Bit- all, all you really need to know. All you really need to know is how far is LA and how much is Bitcoin. And both of those seem to mesh very well. I guess I should have <laughs> said how and, far and is can Miami. I, can I, and can I use my Bitcoin to pay for charging on the way to LA? Exactly. There you go. Yeah, That would have been the question. Can I can I, can I use Bitcoin to pay for charging on the way there? Um, I, I, I like the fact that the uh, the charging port isn't over engineered and has a little button when you just want to unplug it. I think. Charging ports should be just like gas, you know, the filler hole on your car. Are
3: some of them over-engineered? The, like I how? think
4: I think the the Cadillac one, the uh the Etron, the Etron SUV one, like it's if it's mechanical and it's moving, it's doing all these like crazy things. there's like I just need a sl- a little flap that the, pops open <laughs> and then you shove it, it, it in and that's it. That's it. it. And yeah. there's like some
3: Okay.
0: Some a lot of them, yeah, I mean like the on the premium cars like the the Lyric and the the Audis, uh, they've got a door that comes out and you know down out of the way
4: yeah yeah Yeah, it's 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 very fancy and very cool but at the same time like i just want to charge my car why is this happening i keep wanting to see how one of those doors
3: will work when it's really snowy you know those moments when you can't open your car door because the ice in the winter has frozen your car door shut have you ever had that like Mm -hmm. you're banging on the door like you're literally use your fist to break the ice along the seam like how's that going to work with your charging i just want to charge my car
4: Because it's, yeah, you don't want to punch yeah. a mechanically controlled thing.
3: Right. Like, yeah. how do you break that? You know?
0: Yeah. I, I, I talked to Audi when they launched the e-tron and I'm trying to remember, I think it's actually got a mechanism that will actually pull it in slightly and then push it out, you know, to try to break the ice.
3: So it can tell it's smart enough to go, oh, I've had a snowstorm with ice and I can't open out. So it tries to pull in and then push out.
0: Well, it's, it's more you know just that uh, there's there's a torque sensor in the motor and the mechanism that, that normally opens the door. And okay. if it's if it's getting too much resistance, if it could, tries to open the door and there's too much resistance, it'll pull it back a little bit to try to separate the ice a little bit and then push it out again.
3: Now I'm hoping that I get an EV when we have a winter storm, just so I can like leave it in the driveway, let it get co- totally coated in ice <laughs> and say, okay, All right, what, do your know, best door. <laughs> yeah.
0: The Polestar two, you know, they, it's kind of sedan shaped, but you know, kind of a high riding, slightly high riding sedan, but it's actually a hatchback. So, you know, I think from a practicality standpoint, that actually gives it a somewhat of an advantage over the model three because you know, the the Model Three, you know, I think sits a little bit lower, you know, more traditional sedan. Yeah. But it's it's got that relatively small trunk opening, which, you know, makes it a lot less useful uh if yeah. you're trying to put stuff in the trunk. Whereas this thing, you know, the whole you know, it's it's like a lot of uh European cars, you know, like the the Audi A5 Sportback and the A7, things like that. You've got this sort of fastback sedan profile, but you know that when you open it up, the the trunk, you know what would be the trunk lid opens up with the rear glass. So you have a nice big opening to put stuff in there.
4: Yeah, it's 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 easy to get stuff in. It's um, it's got a, a ridiculously small frunk, which I I I don't know the frunk thing. Um, unless it's big, I don't I don't care about it. Unless it's like you know it's like the F one fifty, or the uh, or something else. Unless it's something huge, I don't. Yeah, I'm not really that that. That, in, that interested unless unless it's going to be big you know
3: but you know what you know what the funk is cool it's like because some of them like if they're um they're very small. They don't do a lot, but like if you've kids and you've got like the muddy stuff and you want to like pack things in your car, you know, in your vehicle, but you want a little partitioned for the the swimsuits, the muddy boots, the wet snow pants or whatever, the frunk is perfect for that. Like it's its own little partition. Well,
0: except except in some a lot of these cars, it's so small that it's not even really useful for that. I mean, in mo- in many cases, it's really only big enough to basically stick the charging cable in there, that, like the the Jaguar I Pace and the Audi e-tron.
3: Yeah, that's what's in the. Well, then it's pointless. Yeah. Then I'm with you, Roberto. Then like why?
4: But yeah, it's only the. It's only yeah. It only has this charging cable in there. I'm like, all right, fine. I'm never opening this unless I want to. <laughs> Unless I go visit somebody, it's going to be something that I don't think people are going to use very often. But yeah, that, that the hatchback opens pretty wide. You can get a lot of stuff in there. Um, you wouldn't have children if you have a Polestar 2 and let them, you know, you wouldn't let muddy children in your Polestar 2.
1: I don't know, maybe you would. You'd you, you
3: just take your, your muddy children <laughs> the, out with you. That's
4: what the Subaru is for. That's what, yeah, yeah, exactly. You would have that's the Polestar 2 and you would have a Subaru or you would and have Forester a...
3: Forester for the mess. Like an
4: XC60 <laughs> or XC90 for the kids. And then the Polestar 2 is like, we're going somewhere nice tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the the Polestar wasn't the only thing you
0: had this week what, yeah what else you've been driving
4: I, i've also been driving the uh, the honda ridgeline and you know honda has the you know they've been talking about the ridgeline for forever that it's you know it's pretty much all the truck that most people need and it is a it, it is marketing speak and it is completely true Um, After driving it this week we went we picked up some some giant fence panels from uh, a tractor supply store um, we, you know, I'm probably gonna go use it to pick up some some mulch uh, later. I know that for several, <laughs> you're always buying mulch when you own a house. By the way, when you buy a house, you are you're just right. buying, even if you don't need it. You're just, I guess, I gotta pick up some mulch. Uh, <laughs> you gotta keep it in stock. You never to, know when you're gonna need more. Yeah, mulch. Um, and I, you know, you, I, you use it for towing. So it, it'll tow five. You know, towing capacity is five thousand pounds, which isn't huge. It's not like you know, it, the 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 Tundra or the Tacoma beats it in t- in towing. But, I, I mean, for, for, for most people, it's, that's more than enough. I, they, they gave it to me with a Honda Talon on a trailer. A ta- <laughs> so, <laughs> I took that out yesterday. And so, yeah, it was, it was fine. It, you know, driving and, you know, it was towing. It didn't feel like it was being, you know, bogged down by the, the Talon. The Talon's not that. You know, it's a side-by-side. It's like a, like, I, I guess like you, uh, the equivalent of like a modern day, modern-day dune buggy. Um, is sort of the easiest sort of uh of uh, uh comparison for those who don't know what a side by side is um yeah I took it up to 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 a park I drove it around and but yeah you know it's it's you know i think uh sam earlier said you know the the brakes could be a little bit better, and I think that's true I think the brakes could be about ten percent better, but I feel like most cars the brakes could be about ten percent better um but uh you can, you, you can never have too much You can never have too much brakes. i am, I am a, i'm a strong believer in like hey let's let's all just make the brakes a little bit better everybody come on let's all get together <laughs> let's spend a little extra spend money a little extra money breaks. how about we give you how about you 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 spend four hundred dollars on better brakes, and we'll give you five hundred dollars for it. how's that sound <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it starts at uh you know the the with the with the the destination of handling uh thirty about thirty eight thousand dollars um, right up there with like the Tacoma, um, it has a nine speed, uh, automatic transmission. It's, you know, 280 horsepower, 262, uh, pound feet of torque, which is, you know, it pulled the trailer, no problem, pulled the, t- the Talon, no problem. I didn't feel like it was being, you know, you know, uh, other than going uphill where you can, you can kind of feel it like, you know, working a little bit harder than, than say, you know, anything bigger, something with a V8 or a diesel, which would, they would have eaten up that hill, no problem. Um. But again, it's it's like just the right size. It's not too tall. I feel like mo- modern trucks have gotten incredibly tall for no reason. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you look at trucks from like the 80s and 90s, 2000s, they're, you know, even you know, they can say, well, you know, the front is, you know, this, they're not that tall. But the, the way they're designed and the way they, they, they make you feel when you're driving, it makes you feel like you're driving in a school bus because um, you're, you're, you're so tall and you can't see anything in front of you. You can see what's in front of you. Like a like a like a like a tradition like an SUV, Um, it's got a unibody it's got unibody construction, which you know if you're used to driving SUVs and and sedans and whatnot, it's going to feel uh, a bit more comfortable as opposed to uh, body on frame. And yeah, no, I, I I'm 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 I turns out I'm a fan of the the Honda Ridgeline after years of of sort of like like okay okay yeah sure okay, and then you drive it like oh okay. <laughs> Well, one like
3: everybody sort of pooh poohs the Ridgeline, like oh, it's a truck, but not really. And but it
4: it's it is a. It, it, I think I think it's you know what I think the the body on frame thing is such a is a it is is almost like a cult. The body on frame thing is the same thing as the um, air cooled Porsche. If it's not an air cooled <laughs> Porsche, it's not a real Porsche. If it's not body yeah. on frame, it's not a real truck. And you're just like, why well, are you going to rip the 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 bed off your truck and put a flatbed on it? Are you going to like what are you going? to... Why do you need the body on frame? What is your What's your ultimate goal? Why is that a necessity? I mean, like like you said, you know, like like
0: Honda says, you know, it's all the truck most people need. I mean, five thousand pounds towing, you know, that was plenty to tow. You know, a Talon. You know, it's enough to tow a couple of jet skis or a couple of snowmobiles. You know, smaller trailers, even you know, a smaller boat. You know, like a twenty foot boat. You know, is you know no more than about four thousand pounds. So, you know, you can. You can generally do, you know, unless you need to tow a horse trailer or something yeah. like that, <laughs> or, you know, a 30-foot Airstream, you, know, you, you don't really, most people don't need more than 5,000 pounds towing capability. So, I think, yeah, you know, it, it's plenty, you know, and it's it's got a roomy cabin, and the Ridgeline remains the only pickup truck out there that has a lockable trunk in the back of the bed, you that, know, which is... the trunk a, is so
4: uh, huge. It is so yeah. deep. We threw... um I took uh, three other people, with me, two adults and a child to go ri- uh, drive that Talon. And so I opened up the trunk and there was so much room in there. We stuck a bunch of helmets in there. I had a tiny cooler. I was just like, well, I was like looking around my house to find more things to put in there. It is it, there's, There was way more room than I anticipated in that in that sort of that that bed trunk and it has like it has a drain hole so if you so so if you do have children with messy stuff you can throw their messy muddy disgusting uh clothing and boots and whatnot in there and then take it out and then later on just get the hose and hose it out
0: yep or yeah. for your tailgate parties, you know, just don't even bother with the cooler. Just fill the trunk with ice and, you know, yeah. let, let the water drain out the bottom I and you're
3: good. The first time I ever drove the Ridgeline I, was an event with a whole bunch of different OEMs. But Honda literally had it there with full of ice, what on display. And they just put all these, you know, sodas and water bottles and stuff. And I'm like, that is a lot of uh, cooled beverages for everyth- everybody. That thing is huge. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. It, and, so. and, they, you know, they, they also, you know, the... They gave, you know, they, they, it it was delivered with the, with that side by side, the Talon. And it's really that, that's some synergy right there because their whole, like part of their spiel is like, you know what? People buy these, you know, their their Toyota or their F-150 and they jack it up in order to go off road and do all these things. But most of the time that car is stuck on regular pavement, you know, driving around. And sometimes those, those trucks never go off road. They just look like they're, they're ready. They're ready for something that's not going to happen. Um, and they're like, you know, you can take the Ridgeline. Yes, you can go off-road with it, but it's not going to be a rock crawler. But we have this entire division, our power sports division of motorcycles and side-by-sides and jet skis. We own a jet, if you guys want to. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> which, have, which we... by the way, is a great jet. I, I love
0: amazing.
3: the Honda jet.
4: <laughs> if you're in the market for a so, jet, yeah, so, I know. So it's know. $45 very, million. It's very much like, hey, you can tow all the things, all the other things we make. And actually have fun off-road versus you know driving your truck off-road and um to sort of jump over to the talon where i went they didn't have like trails for side-by-sides the trails were all for motorcycles and atvs uh quads um but they had a four by four area for big you know four by four trucks that i could take the side by side to and they were all driving like five miles an hour up things and and i'm just flying by (laughs) I, I think I was having, you know, it, it's, it's fun to take your, like the, the, the car you drive every day off road and you're like, Oh, look at me. I'm driving, you know, real slow and I can go look at the things I can do, but then some jerk and this tiny little like dune buggy thing just goes flying past you <laughs> and just like flying over things. <laughs> you're like, Oh, maybe I should have bought that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I chose poorly. Yeah. So All it was, right. uh, overall. Yeah. Yeah. And that Talon, man, that thing is, it's, it's about 21,000 bucks. It's not cheap. Um, there's, they have a two-seater and a four-seater. I had the two-seater, um, uh, about 104 horsepower, 1,000 cc engine, and it is. If you like off-roading, and you know, especially if you're getting older, if you're, you've been riding motocross, um, it's it's. You don't even have to be, you know, a, a motocross, person, just get in and drive it. It's, it's got a DCT. It's it's better than the. <laughs> it's better than the Subaru. <laughs> it's got the dual clutch transmission, which is like the Polaris. Their main thing has a DCT, and that dual clutch transmission is outstanding because it just goes. It just boom. Because you know that 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 CVT when you first start off, it's like uh, okay. Right. Yeah, the DCT is it's great on the road. It's a little bit tougher though when you're trying to get on the trailer because it's just like instant. Let's go. Instant torque because it doesn't weigh anything.
0: Yeah. All right. I also had a giant SUV the past week. I had the uh, Cadillac Escalade Sport Platinum. Uh, again, I actually had one a couple of months ago, but that one was missing one key feature that I was looking for, which was GM's second-generation Super Cruise system. So, you know the the Escal you know the Escalade, the, like the the GMC Yukon and the the Chevy Tahoe, you know comes in two lengths. Uh, you get the, the standard length, you know, which for at Chevy, they call it the Tahoe. The longer wheelbase version is the, the Suburban. Um, you know, they also have, you know, two ver- two lengths of, of this one. This was the short wheelbase. So it's about the size of, similar in size to the, the Armada, uh, but quite a bit more expensive. Um, and, you know, even compared to the the latest Armada, it, you know, feels quite a bit more premium too. You know, we talked about this a bit last time, you know, this this generation of, GM's full-size SUVs are the first ones to get independent rear suspension. Uh, and so they've got a lot better ride quality. The, the rear floor is a lot lower. So the that third row seat is actually up off the floor now. If you've ridden in previous generations of GM's SUVs, if you tried to get back into that back row, you know the, the seat was always mounted on the floor because the floor had to be higher to allow room for the, the rear axle to move up and down that's no longer an issue with this thing you know the, the 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 differential stays in one place so they can have a lower floor it's a lot more comfortable to sit back there um you even have you know decent amount of leg room you're not in that knee up kind of position you were at the old escalator suburban uh and the you know this one's still got the the big displays you know three giant OLED displays. Uh, spans about 37 inches across, including 17 inches for the infotainment screen in the middle. But what really differentiated this one, as I said, from the one I drove a few months ago was Super Cruise. Um, you know, I, I drove Super Cruise back for the first time back in the fall of 2017 when they first launched it on the Cadillac CT6, and they... For for a variety of reasons, GM opted never to add that version of Super Cruise to any of their other vehicles uh, until now, uh, because the electrical architecture in those vehicles didn't support over-the-air updates for everything. And so they decided to wait until they launched vehicles with their their new electrical architecture that allows them to do those OTA updates and improve the performance and capability of the system and the the escalade is one of the first batch of vehicles to to have this and so this is their, their second generation system uh it still uses uh four cameras a forward-facing camera a rear camera and two cameras on the mirrors that look down and keep track of where the lane markings are relative to the vehicle or where the vehicle is relative to the lane markings it's also got five radar sensors um and then and there's also a driver monitor Uh, infrared camera on top of the uh, steering column that looks at you because this, this is a hands-free system, but it's not a fully autonomous system. You know, it's, it's intended to be supervised. So you do have to keep your eyes on the road. You can, you don't have to put your hands on the wheel when it's active, but you do have to watch the road and be ready to take over. Uh, And so they, they were GM was the first one to use this infrared driver monitor system to to watch your face and watch your eyes in particular to see where you're looking. Uh, and so if you, you know, if, if the system decides you need to take over or if you're not paying attention, it'll start to alert you. Um, Cadillac has the, the nice haptic seats. So that instead of, um, you know, a, an annoying, uh, audible tone, it actually just buzzes the seat when it's, you know, it's trying to get your attention. Um, and it has a light bar in the top of the steering wheel. Uh, As well, to give you a a good indication of what mode you're in when it's green, Super Cruise is active and working. Uh, When it switches to blue, it's ready, but it's not active. And when it's red, it means you need to be taking over control. Um, One of the the new features that they've added for the second generation version uh, is the auto lane change. So all you have to do is tap the steering column. Uh, or the sorry the, the the turn signal stock, and uh, the system the sensors will start looking to see if there's anybody in the adjacent lane in whichever direction you tap. So if you tap the left turn signal, it'll look to the left or look to the right for the other one. Um, and when it's all clear, it'll execute the lane change and just continue on driving. And it works really really well. I mean, it was during the, the week I had it, it was pretty much flawless. Did uh, it fact,
3: feel really smooth changing lanes? I always wonder about that, like with the lane yeah. change thing. Was that like you've looked and you said, OK, I can change lanes like if you were driving when you hit that. Is it as quick as you are to go, yep, I've got room? Are you sort of sitting there waiting or is it giving that that weirdly like, oh, no, I need room for two cars, not just this car to get in there? Does it seem like it makes intuitive sense to you?
0: I would say it's relatively conservative for safety reasons, uh, but, you know, it's not. Overly so. So, you know, I mean, there are, there are spots where, I, you know, I might have gone, you know, a little bit quicker, but uh, not, not by very much. It, it wasn't, it wasn't annoyingly slow. Okay, so,
3: so, so, so was it enough that you thought come on change lanes it's clear get a move on it wasn't annoying
0: <laughs> yeah no okay. I mean as soon as it was clear it would it would go so okay cool you know and so and, and it was very smooth in operation uh you know no no jerking around or anything so i I, I liked it a lot um you know and as as these systems go you know Super Cruise, you know is still I think the best system out there in terms of its reliability and ability to, um, you know, to, to accurately judge what's around it and, and do the right things. Um, you know, it is, you know, it is a little more limited than, you know, some of what Tesla's autopilot can do. Like it doesn't do, you know, on-ramp to off-ramp navigation. You don't give it a destination. You know, it just tries to follow the road. You know, you get on the road, on the highway and and it is geofenced. So, you know, it's using high definition maps. So it knows, you know. Two, oh, more than two hundred thousand miles of divided highways. That's the only place it'll let you activate it. It won't let you activate it in the city or you know on rural roads, things like that. Uh, so you know they're they've biased it towards safety, um, but the things that it does, it it does very well, and it does more now than it did back in twenty seventeen. Um, and and you know I think it does does it does it really great. It does a great job with it. Um, you know, the, the last time I drove the Escalade, it was still winter time. And, you know, in the Escalade, they offer, you have the choice of two engines. You can get the 6.2 liter V8, um, or the diesel that you had in the Suburban. And there's no price premium for the diesel. You can pick either one for either engine for the same price. And both times I've had the, the gas V8 in the Escalade, the, um, the V8, um, when I had it before, uh, in the wintertime, it only got about 13 and a half, 14 miles per gallon. This time I averaged about 17 miles per gallon because it was warmer out. Um, but, you know, it did, you know, it's, you know, GM Chevy small block or GM small block V8s are, you know, fantastic engines. You really can't go wrong with one of those. Uh, but it was nice to, to see it was a, a little more efficient. But I think, you know, if you're doing a lot of especially highway driving. I, I would definitely recommend you know taking a look at the diesel as a as an alternative, uh, especially if you're going to tow with it. But just in general, you know, if if you're planning to use this uh, a vehicle like this with Super Cruise a lot, you might want to consider the diesel, which gets you up you know into the the mid twenty mile per gallon range, uh, which would be a lot <laughs> a lot more tolerable. Um, the uh, the the Super Cruise package on the new Escalade is a twenty five hundred dollar option. Um, when it first launched on the CT six, it was $5,000. Uh, so it's, it's, the price has been cut in half. Um, and one thing we know now that we didn't know back in 2017 is that, um, because it, it requires, you know, updated maps all the time. It does require you to have an on connectivity package. And GM includes three years of that, that on-star connectivity when you buy the vehicle uh, but then after that, you have to pay like $25 a month for an OnStar subscription to keep using Super Cruise. And the the early CT6s, you know, this came up a year ago uh, when some of those early CT6s started hitting that three-year mark. Um, all of a sudden, people started getting a bill from GMs like, yeah, uh, you got to subscribe to OnStar. A lot of people were not pleased with that because it wasn't clear when they bought the vehicle that that was going to be the case. Now they're they're making it a little more clear that you have to do that. Um, and the same is going to be true for all the other automakers, Ford with Blue Cruise and uh, Nissan's uh, ProPilot version two that's coming. Uh, they're they're all going down this path where you'll get a few years of use out of it and then you have to pay for a connectivity subscription after that to continue using it.
3: So would you pay $2,500 extra to have that if you were in the market for a Cadillac Escalade? Um,
0: it, de- it depends on, on what my driving, you know, what my use case was for driving, um, you know, if I was still doing a lot of commuting on the highway, I, I might well do that. Um, because you know, it does, it does make long highway drives easier, you know, and this is one of the things about all of these types of hands-free systems or, or assist systems is even though you, you can now take your hands off the wheel, you still have to pay attention and so it's it's reducing the cognitive load on the driver in some respects because, you know, you're not constantly trying to follow the road. But at the same time, because you do have to pay attention, it's it's creating a different kind of cognitive load. And so I don't know that it's necessarily more relaxing. Mm-hmm. It's easier in some ways, but it's more challenging in other ways because of that that need to continue supervising the system. I think, you know, GM does a... The way they've got it set up, they've done a really good job of, you know, making it very clear to the driver when the system is active or when it needs you to take over much more, more so than I think any other manufacturer has to this point. Um, so I think that's that's a good thing. Um, so we'll see, you know, how it, how things turn out with some of the other systems, hands free systems that are coming to market this year. Um, but for now, I, I still think Super Cruise is, is the best of these systems and even more so now with things like the lane changing. You know, the last morning I had it, I was driving up uh, to Hawley, Michigan for the Nissan Pathfinder drive. And you know, I, I got on the highway, engaged Super Cruise and didn't touch the steering wheel again until I got off the highway You know, 60 miles north. Um, all I did was tap the turn signal a couple times to change the. Um, change, change lanes automatically, but never actually took over steering control at any point in there. And one, one thing that GM was the first to do with super cruise when they launched it and they continue to do because they've got that high definition map information, they know the, the banking and the radius of all the turns uh, along, along these roads. And so one of the things it does as, as you're going along, you know, if you're coming up, if you're approaching a curve that um, the, the maximum safe speed through that curve might be less than what your current set speed is for the system. It will automatically slow the vehicle down as you enter the curve uh, and then resume your set speed as you, as you pass the apex of the curve. So, you know, there's, there's a couple of curves um, along in the highway uh, just on the North side of Ann Arbor, you know, where I was going, I had it set at 75 and it dropped the speed down to about 63 as it went through the curve. And then resumed the set speed I had, and then did the same thing again for the next curve, and then just stayed at the same speed for the rest mm-hmm. of the trip.
3: Did it feel annoying, or did it feel like the right speed? Like it was it no, a speed no, that you it, felt like it should slow down to, or was it being overly cautious?
0: No, I, I, you know, I, I think it was it was a reasonable speed for you know, especially for you know, big big vehicle like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and both both of these escalates that I had, the one I had previously and this one, were both uh, in the white tricot paint with. And because there was sport trim, everything was all black. You had the black grill, black mesh grill and black trim around the headlights and around, you know, around the side glass, you know, no chrome or anything. It was all all blacked out. this thing kind of it kind of looks like, uh, you know, like it would be the official ride of the commander of a, an Imperial Stormtrooper uh, <laughs> division in Star Wars. Yeah.
3: It would need a
4: cape yeah. of yes. some
3: kind. <laughs> yeah, that's
4: true. Yes, it would need a cape. I... Uh, but other, other than that, it was great. I, um, I, I was on that, the initial drive that they did with Super Cruise from, oh, is it New Mexico to like Santa Monica, California, where they just like two days of using Super Cruise. Mm-hmm. And more so than, like like you said, I think more so than, than a lot of other automakers, I feel like Cadillac really, or GM really did the right thing when it comes to uh, driver monitoring. Um Helping drivers figure out, you know, what's going on with the vehicle with that, that light bar that's on the steering wheel um, Initially, I was just like and eh, this looks kind of goofy and but then when you start using it, you're like Oh, oh, this is a really good idea because this is exactly where you know your eye sees this as you're looking at the road um, And of course, you know the driver again the driver monitoring the high definition maps and just making sure that you're paying attention while this system's um, active and and yeah for the the cognitive load yeah it does sort of reduce it. I, I you know i find these systems are mostly helpful when um a. I'm trying to eat while driving on the freeway. Uh, yep. And B. When I'm stuck. Just make sure you don't put your food in front of your eyes. You yeah, know, just so it'll disengage. Or, or when I'm, uh, when I'm stuck in traffic. When I'm stuck in traffic, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, just, even just even just adaptive cruise control is great because I'm just like, ah, this because traffic just annoys me. Traffic's not driving. Traffic, you know, it's it's the worst <laughs> aspect of being in a car is being stuck in traffic. But if I can just turn something on and it sort of does, you know, it's, it, it keeps track of everything, is where it does it. It sort of reduces my stress level and my anger at the fact that there's so many people on the road. And, and, and we're first, <laughs> term- they- I know we're all going somewhere and we're all very important, but whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I had, uh, I did the, that initial drive uh, from Cleveland to Chicago to Memphis. Um, and then a few months later, I had one uh, when I was out in California. And, uh, I went up, I went up to twit, I went up to the twit studio to do a segment with Leo with that and driving back from Petaluma, I went around the East Bay side instead of, instead of taking the, uh, the golden gate bridge, I went across the Bay bridge and, you know, I had it in, Cru- in super cruise. Most of the way, um, I did have to you know take over control as we were getting onto the bridge, but then all the way across the bridge, again, I never touched the steering wheel until it got to the, the west side of the bridge, you know, as you're coming into San Francisco, at which point, you know, it's it's no longer a, a highway there. You know, you, had, you have to take over full control. But all the way from getting, you know, getting on the bridge from the, the toll gates you know, or the, the the toll booth on the, the east side, all the way across you know across Treasure Island and into the city. I just hands off. I just sat back and let it do its thing, you know, in yeah. morning rush hour traffic
4: yeah no no it's i i you know i think yeah it's 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 probably my favorite um uh advanced driver's assistance system out there uh still even you know from two thousand whatever whenever we seventeen. I, I can't. Yeah, time, time doesn't make any sense anymore to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, and and again, it all comes down to that initial like, hey, we need to keep an eye on people. I'm like, hey, we need to make it so people can they know what's going on, and you know, let's use like technology. Let's let's use you know redundant technology, radar and cameras, and um, you know, HD maps, and and so yeah, I think it's it's the smart way to go. It's you know, as we sort of transition to whatever level, people you know, three or four. In however long that's going to take. Yeah, that's going (laughs) to take a while. It'll be tomorrow. It'll be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bottom bottom line (laughs) price on this Escalade was $113,065, including delivery. That's a lot. That is.
3: Luxury is luxury and, priced.
0: And, and this, this is the, the flagship of the Cadillac line, at least until the Celestic arrives uh, next year or the year after, whenever, whenever it actually goes into production. And that's going to be their, their electric sedan flagship.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.
0: Tesla, they decided to remove the radar from the model 3 and the Model Y, the radar sensor that's part of that's been part of the autopilot system since the beginning.
4: I have so many thoughts about this like a why <laughs> B y C y this is this is just uh, this is backwards you're, you're the the old you know when when Tesla came out with their their sort of autonomous day they had an investor event well they they talked about their their computer, their chip their um, and they kept saying the word uh, redundancy. Well, we gotta have there is redundancy, 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 redundancy. And at the same time, you know, Elon had been poo-pooing LiDAR. And I'm like, well, that's a redundant system. You know, you have cameras, radar, LiDAR, you have these three different systems. If two of them fail, you still have at least one other system. You know, this is, this is, you're literally talking about people's lives when you're talking about these systems, because if you don't have a redundant system and it fails, like you have a, you know, if, if it, if it suddenly fails instead of like you know failing over time because bugs or weather or whatever then then the person has to take over immediately and they might not be ready to take over especially when you're talking about a lot of uh not a lot i don't want to say a lot you know a sect of tesla drivers who are who are complete idiots who decide that that (laughs) that uh, autopilot is self-driving um so removing radar is such a such a backwards move which i think you know either it's a uh, they want to crow about how great their their system is their comp- you know their, their 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 machine learning and their ai or b it comes down to money you know they're losing a lot of they're, they're going to be losing a lot of ev credits with stellantis going you know stellantis doesn't need to give them money anymore for ev credits so they are that's that's a that's profit that they're losing and so if they can make the manufacturing of their cars cheaper by removing radar then I mean, that's, that's, and that's a bad, bad it's reason.
0: Cut, it, it cuts $40 from the bill of materials.
4: Yeah. The car. It's, it's so, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, it's, it's such a, and it's hard. It it would be, it's hard for me to trust something that doesn't have a redundant system. And when you're talking about, a, a you know, a advanced driver's assistance, you need redundant systems throughout from the sensors to the computers, to the, to the to the wiring to the the network to everything needs to be redundant because you're talking about uh replacing some of the actions that a human makes um and if it's there, there is no redundancy then it's not really that safe now is it no
3: well, So they already have it so it was, says it was beginning with deliveries <clears throat> now in may of 2021 so theoretically there's vehicles out there already that are no longer equipped with radar right
0: uh yeah so the the way the the system was set has been set up since they launched version two of autopilot in October of 2016. They have eight cameras around the car and uh, 12 ultrasonic sensors which are really short range low resolution sensors that's the the little parking buttons you find around the car and then one long range radar in the front and they've gotten rid of that radar I guess cars built in the last two weeks uh, or so. Mm-hmm no longer have the radar sensor, at least for the North American market. Apparently, one's going to Europe, and those in, in China and other markets still have the radar. So it's only for North America where they've taken out the radar.
3: Is that um, because we require it somehow? Like, you know how the the standards are different in Europe than they are here? Do we make them? Do we let them get away with it? Uh, well, <laughs> we do
0: let them get away with a lot, um, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean one, one of the big differences in most other markets is when manufacturers make a change that affects uh, like any of the safety stuff they have, or well, just in general, before they can put a vehicle on sale, they have to go through a type approval process. So here, here in the in North America or in the U S uh, manufacturers get to self-certify. So there's a whole bunch of regulations over what vehicles have to do in terms of crash uh, safety and all the, all these other systems. And Basically, the manufacturers have are supposed to do the testing, submit the paperwork to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They look it over, sign it off, and then the car goes on sale. In Europe, they have to go through a type approval process where they actually give the vehicle to an independent third party that does the testing and validation. And they are the ones that sign off. And so... If if Tesla wanted to remove the radar in Europe, I think that they actually would have to go through the type approval process again, do an amended type approval before they could sell it that way in Europe. Um, and you know, I think that they probably figure, at least for now, European um, customers would not be too thrilled about losing the radar sensor. Uh, you know,
3: American customers are like cool, 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 whatever. <laughs> you
0: know, apparently, yeah, you, know, um, you know, or they, they they don't realize it. I mean, already, you know, within a couple of days after the Tesla made the announcement, Consumer Reports um, I- and, uh, and and IHS uh, both came out and said, you know, we're reducing the. The safety rating, you know, so the the top safety pick plus for the mo- for the Model Three and the Model Y from IHS went away. Uh, Consumer Reports reduced their safety rating for the car, um, and you know, I, I, I'm you know, I, I I'm I'm having a hard time coming to grips with this. It, this this the Tesla seems to be, particularly Elon Musk um, seems to be so obsessed with doing this with cameras only, which I think is just stupid, especially if if they actually have any hope mm. of ever really getting to full self-driving, which they're not going to do with, with the current system, mm. but that, you know, even if they, if they wanted to get there, you know, a, a big part of a fully self-driving system is it has to be fail operational. You know, there's this, there's this concept of fail safe versus fail operational, you know, when I was still an engineer, you know, when we were working on ABS and traction control and stability control, you know, one of the things you had to do was you had to have diagnostic software in there. that could detect anything going wrong with a sensor or an actuator or software and alert the driver and the driver was the backup system. So fail safe, you know, you have to detect a fault and let the driver know and the driver takes over. But with an autonomous vehicle, if there's no driver in the vehicle or if there might not be any controls in the vehicle, it has to be fail operational, which means that when you detect a fault with one system. There has to be a backup, you know, a redundant system and preferably uh, also diversity. So you want the redundant systems should be different from each other, not the same thing. And you know, then you have a system that can take over and provide at the very least uh, reduced the performance control to you till the vehicle can get to a safe location and getting rid of radar, you know, eliminates some of that redundancy. You know, the having just cameras is it's just a terrible idea because, you know, cameras have cameras are great for a lot of stuff, but they also have a lot of limitations. And especially the way Tesla has them configured on their car. Um, you know, it's, it's problematic. And I, I think that, you know, people would be foolish to, uh, to buy one of these without a radar sensor.
4: Yeah, it's the and the the things that can that can uh, sort of disable a camera are the sun. I've had the cameras yeah. on you know the super won the super cruise drive. It turns out the uh, infrared uh, camera that was looking at me at one point the sun was directly behind it and pointed right at it, and so it couldn't detect my face anymore. I mean, that's the same thing, you know, I've, I've been fixed that now, by the oh, way, that's good. But I've, you know, I've been in Teslas where I was driving into the sun and the, 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 you know, the autopilot system just wouldn't, it was just like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work right now. And he's like, okay, I understand this. But you know, you drive, you know, the car in front of you kicks up a bunch of mud. Uh, I think you wrote about um, bugs. I mean, it's bugs, bugs. Salt. Even
3: five minutes of driving in the winter and every sensor on your car can be coated because they're low and they're all coated with ice yeah. and it feels like Christmas tree have like of lights on your dashboard telling you all of these self-driving functions
4: just don't work no more
3: all that stuff nothing works it's like drive like old school because nothing you think is going to work is going to work and it doesn't even take like a horrible storm just like winter just regular winter
0: yeah you know Uh, well and you know the the way tesla has their cameras configured you know three of the cameras they've got a trifocal camera system in the front behind the windshield by the mirror and they're all clustered together Uh, So there's a a long, uh, a telephoto, a wide angle, and an ultra wide angle. And, you know, they're with nominally within the swept area of the windshield wipers, but. You know, Nicole, that you know, in wintertime, you know, the 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 last couple of inches of the windshield wipers, you know, rarely work very well. Right. You know were, when, and, when you start getting ice built up and
3: you get ice built up in and then you get that, you know, you have the perfect little windshield wiper spot that you can see. <laughs> but then is it then suddenly the ice and snow that's above it gets heavy enough to fall into your field of vision back. for a second. And as you're trying to get that off the window, it's blocking where those things like sensors cannot see through that. Like I can still See where I'm going, but there's little chunks of ice sort of falling. Yeah. that's gonna mess them up too.
4: It's uh, uh, yeah, and like you said, like radar's not that expensive. It's super effective. It's a it's you know we've been we've been using it for forever. <laughs> um,
3: it's a weird choice. And- Do you think there's something else? Uh, behind it i mean i guess the money saving thing but you think like you read little thing they're going to rely on camera vision and neural net processing do they have some other plan out there of which we are unaware that would make this all make sense in another month and a half do
4: you i think? I doubt it it's i i think the plan is hey look what we can do where you, and, and there's going to be people who are going to be like yeah look what tesla's doing and you're just like yeah but other cars are coming out that have all these sensors. And when one fails, these other ones work, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, why, why, why be braggadocious about safety? Um, maybe be a little, you know, and, 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 not in safety. Like we have a lot of sensors that we're going to help you, but more braggadocious, like we're removing sensors. We're removing, re-
3: we're taking out stuff. We're, taking th- we're, we're taking that stuff away. <laughs> we're removing
4: redundancy from this, from this, uh, you know, this, 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 you know, this, this thing of metal and steel and glass and plastic barreling down the road at 70 miles an hour. We're going to take some stuff out. We're going to, yeah. we're going to, well, uh, well, and,
0: and part odd. of, part of this, you know, because the system actually has less performance now, they've actually limited the capabilities of autopilot. So, you know, like the auto steer system now is limited to 75 miles an hour. It will not work above 75. Also some of the automatic emergency braking no longer works until they you know, update their software some more and try and get it working again. But you know, instead of waiting until they actually had that stuff working to remove the the radar, they decided to take it out now. You know, and hope for the
4: best. It's so it's such a weird, it's such a weird weird decision. And it, and and in a lot of the any anything that's weird that happens at Tesla comes from Elon. That's it's, it's yeah. that's it i mean it's a-
3: yeah and i'm looking it also gets rid of smart summon if your vehicle has it and emergency lane departure avoidance they're disabled at delivery yeah so those two features poof like we yeah
4: what if you thought it's okay because it.
0: smart Summon never really worked anyway yeah. so no,
3: but i mean technically it was there but like so smart sm- summon and emergency lane departure avoidance gone
4: so yeah. if you ordered a car at the end of april For like a June delivery, you're like, oh, cool! I'm going to use Smart Summon, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have this, this, these features that I can rely on. And then when the car gets delivered, now you know that when your car gets delivered, it's not going to have those features because they've decided to remove hardware and the software hasn't caught up to to their Tesla vision. Uh, uh It's okay,
0: but but people have been,
4: you know, paying up to
0: ten thousand dollars for full self driving for you know almost five years now, and they still don't have that capability. So and they Uh, and they never really will
4: yeah it's it's i I would like tesla's um the engineering for tesla's batteries and motors is amazing and then it just sort of gets weird after that sticking with with
0: tesla for a moment um there's a john volker wrote an interesting story for the drive this week Um, sometime probably towards the end of the year uh, tesla is supposed to start building um building cars, building Model, model Ys at their uh, new factory in Austin, Texas. And eventually, I think the, the Cybertruck is supposed to be built there as well. Um, but there's this weird little anomaly. They're going to be building cars in, in Texas, but they can't sell those cars in Texas. They actually have to ship the cars out of Texas first, sell them to like, if, if somebody in Texas wants to buy a vehicle that was built in Austin, it has to be shipped out of the state first. They have to buy it and title it outside of Texas and then bring it back into Texas because Texas is one of those 20 or so states that does not allow car makers to sell vehicles directly to consumers.
4: What do you guys <laughs> just, think about this? It <laughs> was, I, I, this, I, this is a really good article because um, it kind of talks about how like it seemed like, well, they, they wooed uh, Elon into building this factory in Texas and, you know, injecting like billions of dollars into the economy and having all these jobs. And you're like, hey, great. You know, people need jobs. And, you know, Texas is, seems like a nicest place most of the time. Um, and so, yeah, that'd be great. You know, we, we bring your factory here, bring your technology here, bring your, oh, okay. Yeah, but you can't sell your thing here. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to, you got to ship it to, 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 to to, you know, Arizona or to, to, to Oklahoma or wherever <laughs> you have to buy
3: I feel it. Like there should be like little ancillary, like I want to buy it in Texas and I can't like right on the border, you know, like the parking lot is in Texas, but the building where you buy it is actually in one Yeah. State yeah or it's or. like the, like
4: state line, like in, um, in California, the state, there's a yeah, the road to, to Las Vegas. There's a place called state line and right on the other side of the line is like a bunch of casinos. So as soon as you get into Nevada, yeah. you can, <laughs> so that's what it's going to be. Or, or like the going into Oregon where they don't have sales tax right at the, right at the border. You can go into Oregon and buy a bunch of stuff without sales tax, and then come back into we California. We have the same
3: thing. We have this huge, we have no sales tax, and there's this huge shopping mall, and they were arguing about how they were going to put it on the plot of land, and they're like, "Well, one, you know, part of that's going to be in Massachusetts, so you have to collect sales tax." Like, no problem. They like shift the whole plan. The parking lot is in Massachusetts. Once you get into the building, New the structure, Hampshire is oh. all
4: on the yeah, New yeah. Hampshire side of the state line. <laughs> nice. So they can collect tax on parking if they ever charge for parking.
3: If they yeah. give Massachusetts a few minutes, they'll come up with that plan. This is, yeah,
4: <laughs> I, I feel like, I, I'm sure uh, somebody at Tesla is, um, uh, well, Elon Musk, uh, he, he was, uh, he's fuming about this because he...
3: He was tweeting. I'm shocked.
4: Yeah. So, he. you know, you're talking about a, a lot of money dropped into a, into a state after just railing against California and all of its regulatory stuff when it came to to COVID and the shutdowns and you know California driving companies out and then he you know builds this huge factory uh, in Texas and then the regulatory system in that com- that that uh, that state won't allow him to sell the actual thing he builds in that state obviously Tesla is not the only company that's going to be affected by this a lot of the other
0: EV startups like Rivian Lucid and and others are going to have the same issue because they want to sell directly. You know, and I mean, there's this whole argument about, you know, franchise dealers versus direct sales. Uh, and I think that there's actually, you know, for a lot of people, there's actually a lot of benefit to having a you know franchise dealer system. You know, as much as people complain about the the purchase process from dealers, you know, and trying to be upsold all the time, there, there are advantages, you know, both from a business perspective and, you know, and from a consumer perspective, because you can have a lot more outlets, you know, a lot easier to, you know, to get sales and service than it is, you know, with the, with Tesla's, um, you know, much more limited network of stores, you know, in, in about thirty odd states. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's past time for states to start repealing some of these franchise laws that they have. Uh, you know, I think that. It's probably not I think it's not unreasonable to, um, you know, to say that, OK, for a manufacturer that already has franchise dealers, you know, maybe you can't sell direct to consumers and compete with those franchisees because, you know, those franchisees are independent businesses. They invest a lot of money yeah. in their stores, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the in the real estate, in the building, the, the training of their of their service staff, the parts, tools and, you know, you don't want to just take that away from them. Um, but, you know, if for a company that doesn't have a competing franchise dealer in the state, you know, let them sell direct.
4: Just, yeah. you know, get over it. Yeah. I think, I, and, you know, if, I think Volvo has a nice sort of medium like system for that with Volvo uh, care by Volvo. Because initially it was almost like direct sales and then like a bunch of uh, uh, dealerships got mm-hmm. very, very upset about that, which I understand because, you know, being a Volvo dealership I'm sure is very expensive. Um, and so now you you know, you know, can get your Care by Volvo and then you go pick it up at the dealership. And then so you have that, oh, I can take it somewhere to get it fixed and I can take it here to get, you know, to get uh, things picked up. And then and, and they also give a, the option to work. If you have, if there's a vehicle and I think on the Volvo lot, you can do a Care by Volvo uh lease program with the vehicle that's on that lot so you yeah, know i think there's 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 a there's a way to have a happy medium where you have this like almost direct sales where you, you know you have an app you load up the app you figure out what you want you you say i want to buy this car and then you just go to the dealership and pick it up and then you know you can you have that relationship when you do need somewhere to service because i think the service issue is is a huge huge issue because if you buy a tesla because teslas are all you know they're all their dealerships all their service centers are owned by tesla they can't they don't have the really wide network if you live 300 miles from a tesla you know service center you can either wait someone maybe to drive to your house and fix your car and then they get there and they're like oh yeah i can't fix this and then they leave and now what do you do i don't i don't have the parts for this i'll have to come back next week yeah so i think there's i think there's a there's there's a there's a nice happy medium that can be, that can be done with, with this system, but it, it, it requires like both, both parties to sort of budge a little and allow, you know, change and and allow people to buy things the way they want to buy them. Some people like going to dealerships. I personally do not, but. uh,
3: I think that's insane. Those are crazy people. And
0: now, you know, over the last year, you know, through the pandemic, we've started to see some hybrid models develop, you know, where, you know, dealers are doing a lot more of the stuff online, you know, a lot more of the purchase process online. And we'll, we'll, we've got a listener question later that we'll, we'll get to um, where this ties in as well. But the, you know, being able to do your shopping online and you know have you know have them deliver the vehicle to you you know and or you know and then take it pick, come pick it up when you need service you know i think i think there's a lot of advantages to that or you know like what GM's doing you know as they start to launch their EVs with with Hummer you know you will they're working with their dealers so the dealer will actually take care of the actual final transaction but the whole pr- process of shopping and purchasing will happen online and you pick a dealer. And this is what Ford also did with the, the Mach-E, you know, where you order it online and during the order process, you select your local dealer where you will take delivery and, you know, they'll handle the service and everything. So I think that there's, you know, there's some in between here, you know, where you can have hopefully the best of both worlds. Yeah, I feel like that should have been part of
4: the negotiation of putting a giant factory
0: <laughs> Well, I, I think it actually was, you know, they, I think they, they talked about that. But unfortunately, the, the way the the Texas legislature works, um, you know, the Texas Constitution limits the legislature to only being in session for no more than 140 days out of every two years. This is ridiculous, which is and, the most, most know, insane thing I've ever heard.
3: Weird and arbitrary. Yeah.
0: Right. And, you know, they're actually coming up on their limit, like I think it might be this weekend. Um, and of course they couldn't deal with the Tesla problem because they had to go, they had, they had to rush to, uh, put some voter suppression laws in place instead. That was, that was far more important to keeping Republicans in
4: in power. But instead of jobs, we got to make sure that people, instead of jobs for regular people, we got to make sure that these elected officials keep their jobs. So exactly. A few months ago, uh, Lotus
0: announced that they were going to end production of the Elise and its assorted variants, the Exige and the Evora this year, as they start to um, start production of their next new model, which the name escapes me at the moment. But they're going to be they're going to be starting production of their last internal combustion sports car uh, later this fall. And so the all the tooling. To build the Lotus Elise, uh, which served as the the basis for the chassis of the original Tesla Roadster, among other things, uh, is for sale. You can buy it. And uh, this is not the first time that Lotus has done this. Um, Going back to the early 70s, when they decided to stop building the Lotus 7, they sold off the tooling to Caterham, who continues to build that car to this very day. Um, And then in the early 90s, when they canceled the M100 Elan, They sold that tooling to Kia and Kia shipped all the equipment over to South Korea and continued to build the Elan for a few more years. They built, I think, about a thousand or so in Korea before they finally gave up on it as well. So now the uh, the Lotus Elise tooling is for sale. Anybody want to
4: buy it? I sure. I checked my pockets. I don't have quite enough money for the tooling. Also, I,
3: I what if I give you a couple of dollars? I have like a five dollar bill. I'm sure would that I, put I, you over the edge? I'm I can kick
4: in fifty bucks. All right. Well, I'm hey, looking in my backyard, and there's a big swath of land that I have at the bottom of a of a hill. <laughs> that's there's nothing there. It's, it's it's like I don't have it fenced in. It's mostly just like deer that like hang out down there and just you know. So we can set it up there it's just, in your backyard. It's deer and yeah. it's deer and ticks and so as long as the deer can still like hang out i'm cool with the deer i'm not cool with the ticks um yeah we could just i could just start making building the leases i'm sure the neighbors would be totally cool with it too
3: they wouldn't care at all. they'd love to have that in their backyard
4: all right it's a deal one a month we'll we'll, we'll put it in our bed tomorrow Uh, (laughs) i'll just run i'll run an extension cord from my house down that hill that'd be fine
0: and uh finally um some sad news from Mazda. The Mazda six is going away from the U S market, uh, as is the CX three, <laughs> which I'm less upset about. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to miss the six. Um, the uh, you know, the sales have been declining. The CX three was, you know, it was going to be going away anyway, once they launched the CX 30. Yeah. Uh, cause it, the CX three never sold as well. here it's too small for the U S market, but, uh, seeing the sick, the six sedan is, is kind of sad. Um, that, I, I I always liked that car. Lo- Love the way it looks, and and really like the way it drives.
3: I think most of us liked it. I just don't think you know regular people want a sedan so much. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, that is the case. I think it's you know yeah. when you're when you're going up against like say the Accord, it's a tough that's a tough battle. Yeah, the Accord the, and the Camry the and, and the Camry, Altima. Yeah, those are those are those are tough. That's that's a tough battle. I mean, it's you know I'm sad that a sedan's going away. Um, anytime a sedan dies, a an angel loses its wings. So look what you've done, people. <laughs> look what you've done. An angel just stopped flying. <laughs> oh, bump. <laughs> Pumph. He's just
3: crawling around on the right. floor now.
0: So uh, while while we're talking about sedans, um, let's get into listeners' questions. Um, Bryn Berenhausen um, sent one in. said, Are we seeing the slow decline of Honda? Hate to say it, but they're falling way behind Hyundai and Kia on multiple fronts hybrid electric powertrains design both interior and exterior and tech they may have some loyalists
4: but can can they can they compete for new drivers what do you guys think i i you know what i kind of agree with okay so i sort of agree then also disagree so how's that i think they have a more nuanced mm-hmm. i think kia uh, the kia hyundai have been killing it especially on the hybrid especially especially on the electric front like they, they, like everything that, that, that Kia and Hyundai have been doing with electric vehicles was something that you would have expected Honda to do already. I, I think Honda of the nineties, Honda of the early two thousands, they would have been at the forefront of this. I think Honda now is, seems like, uh, um, and you know, the interior of, a of a kid, you know, that ridgeline I have the infotainment system is, is ridiculously bad. It's just, it feels like a, a, the very first Android tablet you may have purchased way back in the day it's just it is just it is it is <laughs> you,
0: you realize it is still running android 5.0 is exactly under this yeah it is, so. it, is
4: it, it you are you you are it is essentially begging you to plug your phone in because you do not want to even look at this um yeah. and so i think that that that's going to hurt honda in the very long run if they don't sort of get it together on that turn because people who are buying cars as, as as younger people start buying cars they're 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 expecting something they're expecting a, a level of technology in a vehicle that um, at least in the infotainment wise and electric wise um, Honda is not delivering that said it's 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 super hard to beat Honda quality you every Honda you get in the car you close that door you're like yeah this is why you buy a Honda you just that door close I-
3: I totally agree with you. That's the thing. I, I, everything you said, but it comes down to It's like if you want a car that you know it's going to be solid and stable and hold up and probably you're just going to finally get rid of it because you're just, I want a new car. I'm tired of this one. Like it's not that there's anything wrong with it. They couldn't keep running for another 50 years. Yeah. You buy a Honda. They just keep going and they do exactly what they're supposed to do. And they're, they are reliable. And that hasn't changed. I guess that's a good thing that hasn't changed. But yeah, on the tech front... They do feel you wonder at what point that will there. Where is the tipping point there, where the despite the reliability that the infotainment is so meh that people are like forget it. I will take a less reliable vehicle if I can just have infotainment that feels
4: like it's from today. Yeah, I feel like the the coolest thing Honda has done in the last few years is the Honda E, um, which they won't bring to the United States. And me- meanwhile, the Ionic Five is coming, and I'm like, well, the i the Ionic Five is what the Honda E could have been um and I, you, you know that that i'm excited about the ionic 5. i'm very excited about the ionic 5. i haven't driven the ionic 5. i shouldn't be excited about a car i haven't driven yet um
0: but on, on paper it looks really really promising yes
4: yes so i think you know i think honda's you know they're, they're working with gm um for an ev so we'll eventually get some two of them two of them so we'll eventually get some evs from them you know they're sort of slow to that game you know and when it comes to that stuff they're a very conservative company i don't think the average person realizes honda to it are super conservative they're going to they're going to 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 squeeze every last bit of money out of whatever they're doing a platform or or whatever uh, a really old infotainment system because they can kind of coast on that reliability thing and when people ask me like well i want a car and i want this and i want this and i want this and then you, know, you you kind of want to give them the the you know the Mazda the, you know the 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 CX5 but at the same time you're like you know what get the CRV or the RAV4 it, because you know it's going to last until they don't want it anymore
3: <laughs> I like to think somewhere there's somebody at Honda that's saying okay we got this reliability thing and it's going to keep us going for a while and there's no no questions no problems no comment complaints like the reliability is rocking. how far like you said how far can we make this this infotainment this tech we have work before suddenly and someone's like okay we got x number of years guys in x years we've got to come out with something that's going to knock it out of the park because whatever that is we're going to keep that for the next 15 years so we need, you know like whatever the next iteration is i would think would be sort of like a significant leap forward to to bring them up and then i bet they'll just kind of okay now hold here for a while until we have to do it again
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we own a a 2017 civic hatchback and we love it. Yeah. And in the four years we've had it, you know, it has, it has never had to go in for any unscheduled service. The only thing we've had to do is oil changes and tire rotations. It's, it's never, it has not had a single thing go wrong with it in that four years. Uh, And, you know, that's not something I could say for the, the previous two cars that we had before that. You know, and they, you know, they were built by a, a, a German brand. So, you know, you're you're right, Robbie, you know, this, these thing this thing has been dead reliable. Our daughter, our older daughter had a, a 2008 Honda Fit that she got, you know, right when, right after she got her driver's license when she was 16, she finally got rid of that car uh, about two months ago. You know, she w- she drove it for, you know, 13 years and, you know, never had any problems with it. It was great. You know, finally got rid of it and got something a little
4: newer. I had a I had a, a Honda Civic, a '90 Honda Civic, about '92, for 15 or 17 years, and the only thing I, I I broke the timing chain, the timing belt, because I didn't change it. That's yeah. And and I had a I had a, <laughs> and, a and at 160,000 miles, I had to swap out the clutch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that's a wear item, you <laughs> yeah. know, at 160,000 yeah, yeah. miles. Yeah, so the clutch, you know, there's like these like these weird little wear wear items. um, And it's just this thing. I, I ran it out of oil a few times. It just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> like the oil yeah. light would come on, I'm like, oh, where the hell am I? Why don't I have the oil? <laughs> it had a slow <laughs> leak <laughs> on the oil gasket, and I never, ever fixed it. Because <laughs> it was like...
3: car's just like, it's not a like, problem. I can work I with this. this. <laughs> I got
4: I, this. We're, we're good. We're cool. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, but, and you hear...
0: But Honda... Honda does need to do more on the electrification front, I think, besides just fuel cells. That's not going to be enough. Yeah.
4: The, the Clarity line was, was sort of a weird... The fact that they brought us Clarity, the three Clarity vehicles, but won't give us the Honda E was just... I'm like, these aren't... Okay.
3: Odd decision. Yeah, but, but,
4: you know... Th-
0: I mean, I, I, can't, I can't blame them. You know, I think that the, the Honda... You know, while there are enthusiasts who would love to have the Honda E in the U.S. market, I don't really see it as something that would sell in enough volume to justify bringing it here. I think it would have been like you a know, weird uh, little
4: halo uh, vehicle is yeah. you know, like the, like Actually, the NSX, be... you know, like the Acura NSX, yes. like they're not going to sell yeah. a lot of NSXs. They put a lot of money into it. Um, you know, I think the same thing, uh, I think maybe they would have sold 20,000 units, which would, it would have been fine, but people would have looked at it. They would have talked about it. They would have, had, you know, and, and it would have changed that sort of idea that Honda is behind on on EVs. That's exactly it. It doesn't, it
3: doesn't matter really how many they would have sold in the end. It would have been the perception that they're, they're moving in a direction that there's not a perception they're moving right yeah. now. Yeah, That would have been, it would have been worth it possibly just for that.
0: All right. Um, let's see. Next up. Uh, Jeff Curtis asks, how likely is it that the government will reinstate or raise federal tax credits for Tesla's uh, also heard about an increase uh, to $12,500. So, I think I think Congress will do something to bring in, you know, that's part of the proposal, you know, the the infrastructure proposal from the Biden administration. I think Congress will ultimately do some sort of new incentives, a uh, revised incentive program for EVs. I think that this proposal that came out of a Senate committee this week for, you know, a $12,500 tax credit is nuts. I think they I think they need to get away from the tax credit thing and just do a point of sale rebate. Because, you know, especially for you know lower to middle income customers you know a lot of them are not even going to be able to take advantage of a tax credit that big the only ones that are going to be able to get get the full twelve and a half thousand dollars are higher income people and they don't really need that tax break yeah you know, the it, it, it should be a, a point of sale rebate and I also think that the the incentive should be um, based on a cap on the the purchase price of the vehicle, like maybe $50,000 or, or less. So, you know, I, I think that there's no reason that anybody that can afford a $100,000 car, you know, like a, a Hummer EV or a Model S or Model X, should they don't they don't need a tax break you know they, they can well, it afford so much
3: it matter? i mean they might not need a tax break i mean if they can afford a fifty thousand dollar car but if you're contemplating whether or not you want to make the move to an ev in a different point of view not so much just like oh they don't need the money they're already making a lot of money they can afford it but if it encourages people to move towards evs the more you see on the road the more you accept that as being a viable mode of transportation and i think it does something to moving to getting people to switch to evs
0: but i think you know for especially for the more premium vehicles i you know i don't know that seeing a few more of those on the road is going to be that big a help i think it would be i think it would be more of a help to see a lot more mainstream vehicles um mainstream evs you know in the 30 to forty-five thousand dollar price range you know ionic fives kia ev6s Hyundai or Kia, vw id4s you know and, and whatever else comes out i mean there's a bunch of other stuff coming uh, you know making those cars more affordable i think would have a bigger impact in terms of getting more unit volumes out there
4: yeah i think uh, new york and california both have a cap on the 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 the, the state um tax incentive i think it's sixty thousand dollars um but you know, I, yeah, the, the the sort of point of sale, like you know, tax ba- tax rebate or, or, or I'm sorry, cash back or whatever. I think that's that's a bit more exciting for for folks who are who are looking to buy these vehicles. Um, because you go in, you're like, oh, I'm gonna get this much money back, and you're like, oh, no, 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 hold on, let me tell you how about how this works, and then it becomes this like, oh, okay. And when when you when you may add complexity to a system like this, it's it's sort of especially when you, ha- when you, when you're dangling 12,500 and, and, you know, that's based on, you know, they're going to keep the 7,500, then you get 2,500 more if the car is built in the United States and an additional $2,500 more if the car is union made, which I'm like, Hey, cool. You know, building in you built in the U S and union made, you know, that gives, uh, you know, these, uh, 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 an incentive for, for, for union, go union. Um, but yeah, it needs to be some, I think they need to change it from, from a tax credit to, we're going to take this much money off this car when you buy it at the lot. When I go and buy.
3: Yeah, that would definitely I agree that that would definitely be easier. Forget all these rebates. Just say you buy an EV. We're going to take X off. Yeah, that would yeah. be much well, easier and, than. And,
0: and, and especially you know, given that, you know, I think a, a large proportion of customers, if not most customers, um, you know, they a big part of their buying decision is based on what is the monthly payment going to be? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they know how much they can afford to pay every month. And you know if you've got to go in and and pay, you know, forty five thousand dollars upfront for something like let's say for an Ionic Five. I don't. They haven't announced pricing yet, but let's say you know as an example, or the ID Four. Okay, forty forty thousand dollars for an ID Four. And you know if the payments on that work out to, let's say four hundred dollars a month, and you can only afford three hundred, well. You know, you're going to walk away from that deal and buy, you know, maybe buy a, a Tiguan instead. Whereas, you know, if that's if that rebate is at point of sale, you know, instead of forty thousand dollars, now you're talking thirty two five, you know, or or thirty or you know whatever it comes out to, and now your monthly payments are something that's in the range you can afford. You're more likely to buy that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know because of the way, particularly for Americans, the way Americans tend to buy cars, I think that it's it's more important to ditch the whole tax credit thing and just do point of sale rebates.
4: Yeah, I think I, I, I've talked um, whenever I talk about the ID4, I always I, I try to talk about their their lease deal. It's like three seventy nine for three years, and you get three years of free charging with that. And I think that mm-hmm. feels way more compelling because that tax thing sort of like works into the lease way more compelling than the $40,000 price you know price because because you know three years you know it's 45 you know fourth you know $450 $500 a month that's a lot of money especially when you're again you know when when I was uh, uh painfully broke as a as a student I mean I think my tax I think I paid maybe a thousand dollars in taxes and then you know as you sort of work up you know you might not you know you, what you're paying taxes might not even come up to twelve thousand five hundred like you're saying, maybe it's five thousand you're like, oh well, now I just feel like i've I've lost you know seven thousand five hundred because i'm not well you know i'm not i i don't make a lot of money so it it it's kind of tricky it's a trick yeah and well and that and that's part of
0: why um you know leases have been so popular with e v customers over the last you know ten years because um they you know the leasing companies actually factor that seven, that tax credit in because they know they're gonna they're going to get the tax credit mm-hmm. so they factor that into the the lease price um, you know so you get that monthly payment down and so a lot of people have opted for the leases because they can get those really good deals on it um, and they don't have to deal with the hassle of trying to claim the tax credit
4: the following year yeah and also I mean, battery technology moves pretty quickly so I', I, I uh-huh. when people are talking about an EV I'm like look into a lease because in three yeah. years, battery 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 uh, technology is going to advance. It might not advance a lot, but it might advance. You know, we might we maybe you know everyone keeps talking it's going to be four or year, five years from now, but maybe solid state. Maybe someone will have that cr- nut cracked. But you know, everything yeah. moves really quickly. You're going to get that tax credit up front, um, and then yeah, if you have a car that don't, that has 250 miles, and in three years, cars are coming out with 500 miles because some some smart student at 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 Stanford like did i don't know dropped a coke in inside of his his battery and now it makes it work better i don't know that's (laughs) all it it took was coca-cola classic turns out it's the real thing yeah uh a a miracle uh yeah so it's it's yeah it's the yeah i I, catch up front on the table bam yep all right.
0: Next up, Jeff Turner. Um, he had a question about the F one hundred and fifty Lightning. Said on the podcast, said that vehicle to home integration with Sunrun is done through the CCS connector. So that that's the the DC charging connector that's on on most new vehicles, most new EVs. Can you confirm? I've been assuming that they would do this through the uh, the AC seventeen seventy two connector. So when you look at at the the EV charge the charge port on most EVs that are not Teslas, there's Two parts to the the charge port. There's the original, the round part that has five pins in it. That's the the SAE 1772 connector. That's for AC charging. So if you're plugging it at home, that's what you're going to use. And then CCS is the same thing, but it adds two more big pins for the direct current fast charging that sit right below it. And so what Jeff is asking, he thought that it was going to use um, do the power backup through the only through the the AC connection. Um, since they already have an an inverter on board uh, for the outlets on the vehicle. Um, There's a difference between using an onboard inverter with an AC connection versus a DC connection to a stationary inverter in the home. SAE is a standard for roaming inverters because the interconnection requirements are more complex. So the answer to the question is they are, in fact, using the DC connection, the direct current connection. So it's drawing power directly from the battery. It's not going through the vehicle's onboard chargers at all. Um, And what Sunrun installs in your in your garage is a smart inverter that is tied into your home um, electrical circuitry um, and and the main uh, power line coming into your home. So it automatically detects if you have a power outage and it automatically switches over and it's drawing DC directly from your battery. It's not going through the inverter in the car uh, and the, the truck, because it's, it's more efficient that way. And then it does the, it does the AC conversion in that smart inverter unit. Um, and that, that is the way they're doing it. So it is in fact using the CCS connector.
4: So if you're just a regular person, um, you just plug it in and it'll work. Yes, (laughs) exactly.
3: (laughs) The short short answer is (laughs) if you just plug it in,
4: it'll work. Don't worry about it. But yeah, this is, I mean, that's great information. Yeah, all right.
0: Last one uh, from Jared uh, says, "Did you all ever have do the uh, how to test drive a car uh, on the show?" And I don't think we ever did. Uh, I think we've kind of dabbled a little bit in it, but I'd like to get get your thoughts from both of you on um, you know what are some tips for test driving a car when you're going to purchase.
3: My first tip is to get the salesman not to ride with you. <laughs> get, kick him out of the car. find some place that will let you just drive the car without the sales guy uh, in the back seat or riding next to you because they tell you things that may not be relevant to you and they're constantly chattering and just have you in the car and whoever you often ride with, whether that's your spouse or your kids in the back seat, put the car seats back there, put everybody in the way you would drive. And get the salesman out, so you guys can just drive and talk to each other about what you like and what you don't like. That's that's my biggest things for test driving a car. Get rid of the salesman.
4: Yeah. Get about. Yeah. Also, if you have the opportunity, if you have a f- a friend or a family member in your life who is really really into cars and might be a bit of a contrarian. Um, try to get that person to go along with you, and don't just do one drive of the car. Try to do like more than one. Do a couple. Come back later. Don't let them like suck you in. Or like, well, if you stay here today, there's a guy on the lot who's been looking at this car. There's no guy on the lot looking at that car, by the way.
0: Um, <laughs> or, or if, if there is, you know, unless you're buying something that's particularly rare, or limited edition, there will there's be. Gonna, there's one. going to be They'll another one. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> and the- so bring your, like, your sort of, like, car, because it's so easy for, and, and and I think all automotive journalists, we all talk about this, the idea where someone asks you, hey, would you buy this car? Or I'm looking for this type of car. and They already have a car in their mind, what they're going to buy. Yes. And if you don't say, well, well, nah, if you try to, like, talk them out of it, they're they're just like, eh, S- still bring someone with you who will drive the car with you and be like, well, really? Is this really what you want? and And then kind of, like kind of kind of curb your enthusiasm for this vehicle um i think you know it's in and, and, and someone who can who can you know pop the engine and, and listen to it and, and tell you if like it needs a valve job or if it's about to throw a rod or if it's like you know there's there's yeah, always especially levels. for a used car yeah especially yeah, for, for a used car cars, um you know just just bring bring people with you throw the person out do multiple test drives
3: I also think that te- when you're saying do multiple test drives, if you lose someplace where the weather can be like it is in New England, where you have snow and junk on the road, if you can at all find a way to drive that vehicle in really crummy weather, if your timing works out, like if you're thinking of buying a car a year and a half from now, this winter, go drive it. Yeah. In the winter like go to the dealership in the winter when it's snowy and say you know what i want to take it out when the roads are a little slick so you can see how it actually handles in slick weather because sometimes all the gadgetry in the world just doesn't make up for the car isn't the right one for you when it snows yeah you know try and take it out and experience a little bit of the weather that's kind of challenging i mean don't take it out in a blizzard and kill yourself but you know take it out when the weather's not perfect and see how it drives
0: yeah and you know most important thing is don't ever let yourself be pressured into anything by a salesperson. And that's that's one of the good things that came out of the past year is that most dealers now you know have programs where, you know, for test drives, you know, they can deliver a car to you and you can take it for a test drive, deliver it to your home and, you know, try to, you know, uh, expanding on what Nicole just said about, um, you know, the weather, just in general, try to drive it in the same kind of environment that you're going to drive in. If you have a regular uh, highway commute, you know, 30 or 40 mile highway commute, take it out on the highway for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour as part of the drive, make sure you drive it in the same kinds of conditions that you do. Or if it's urban stop and go, same thing, you know, you on the highway, you want to look for things like Wind noise and road noise, because those things and really try to pay attention to those things because they they don't, uh, you know, on a a 20 minute test drive, they may not bother you that much. But six months down the road, when you're experiencing this every day, it will start to grate on you if it's something that annoys you. So really really think about those things you know
3: like like take it you know toss your keys your key and your wallet and whatever else you carry with you where would you put it in this car don't just walk yeah. in you know with carry the stuff if you're always carrying certain stuff that you bring it with you where the heck are you going to put it like live in that car the way you live with your own car and i can't i can't emphasize enough if you have kids get those kids in the car i know the sales some sales guys cringe at the thought i i remember when my girls were little like uh, you're putting your, you know, dirty, sticky finger kids in there. Yeah. Because I'm going to buy this expensive vehicle. Yeah. If I can't get my kids in their car seat in the back of that car and not feel like I whack my head on the doorframe because the angle of it is just wrong with my kid in my car seat. like try it out with your kids, especially if you're, the kids are little, because you're going to have to get in and out of that door if it doesn't open wide. You're going to have to be the one to finagle getting them buckled if they're at a point where they buckle or just, you know, getting them into the car seat. That makes a big difference. And again, it's one of those things you think, oh, whatever, I'll get used to it. No, it'll drive you nuts it worse. if it doesn't work the way you want. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets worse the longer you have to deal with it. <laughs> and
0: and if you're, you know, if you're getting a three-row SUV and you plan to use that third row?
3: Use it. Try try
0: it it out. See if you can actually get in and out of there.
3: Even if you think you're going to put kids back there, same thing. It seems like a great idea, but if your kids can't get back there by themselves and you have to get the kids back there, you might have to be a contortionist. So make sure you check this carefully to see how easy it is, even for little kiddos, to get in there and buckle themselves in if they're at a point where they can do that.
4: Yeah, and don't don't let them upsell you on stupid things and don't let them use weird fuzzy math and always be willing to walk away. Just be willing yes. to, because there's a to, there's a lot but, of dealers out there, and they all want your money. So if you...
3: They tried to get my daughter to spend extra money recently when she purchased her first car to have it Simonized, because cars <laughs>
4: aren't built like they used to be. I don't even know what that means. I
3: kid you... <laughs> it's like this under they're built stuff. way better than they used yeah. to be I know, he literally said I, I laughed out loud i went oh, what simon ice to like, oh, go yeah do you know what that? i'm like i know what that is i just haven't seen anybody put it on a car since 1975 <laughs> what the heck dude <laughs> uh
4: yeah i've seen the, the i've had people they've did a thing where they put um they etch numbers onto the windshield and they're like oh this is a 500 thing we're etching numbers so if your car gets stolen we can, it'll be easier to find and we're like I'm like, if the car gets stolen, I don't care because I have insurance. The car gets stolen, disappears. <laughs> oh, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> that's why you have insurance. Oh,
0: Cars get gosh. stolen. They tend to go straight to a chop shop anyway. Yeah. You know? Right.
3: And that's not going to matter that you have a number etched on the yeah. windshield
4: that's no longer attached to your the car. The cops are like, hold on. <laughs> is the number on that windshield? <laughs> no, there, there's a lot of ridiculous. You know, the, the internet is your friend. Do a lot of research. Find out exactly what you want um you're not in a hurry unless you are you know sometimes you have to buy a car right away because of a new job or whatever but most of the time you're not in a hurry you know take it take a month take two months take six months you know maybe drive the car you think you want to buy six months before you buy it because cars don't new cars especially don't change after a refresh or a new version for a couple years so you have you have time take the time it's a a huge my,
0: my daughter my daughter spent over a year going back and forth over what she wanted to buy and finally ended up buying what she originally wanted after going through a whole bunch of other, you know, changing her mind multiple times over what, you know, what she wanted to get, you know, back in December, we went out one day, went, went to a Hyundai dealer, a Mazda dealer and a Kia dealer to drive, um, you know, uh, the Ionic hybrid Mazda CX-30 and a Kia Seltos. And, you know, she was, going to go for the Mazda, and then changed her mind and finally ended up buying a Toyota 86, which is what she wanted in the first place.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> but it's worth it to go through all those iterations because then if you buy something, especially if you yeah. don't know much about cars or haven't driven a lot, you're thinking, oh, that one looks like something. Oh, what if I'd like that better? We'll go drive it. Go figure it out first. Go take it for some test drives. You Sometimes you love them right off the bat. Sometimes you hate them. Maybe you need to go back and drive what you drove the first time and go back. It just, yeah, don't feel pressured and and... Drive everything that you think you might want to buy and walk away. If Not even if it's just like the deal. If the dealership sets you off the wrong way, if the salesman is this... Creepy, sleazy Just walk away There's yeah, a million it's your, it's dealerships your money So yeah. yeah And you're you're going to find It's not like there's One Nissan dealership And that's it Or one Jeep dealership <laughs> Go find another one There's probably another one Five minutes away yeah, You know Yeah,
4: yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the weird money thing I, I, A couple of times when I've, I've gone I Either bought Purchased a car Or gone with someone To buy a car It's the, the numbers guy Comes in I'm like I, We only want to pay oh, he's We terrible. only want to pay $300 a month Well if you look at the gas And the maintenance cost You know you're paying $350 oh my God. But it's like It's really three like and you just have to like sit there and look at this person and say I want to pay $300 a month well and you just have to keep saying what you want and if they if again if they're pressuring you just walk out and you can go to another dealership and say hey they did all this stuff to me and they're going to be like yeah those guys are the worst and they're going to try their hardest not to do those creepy things they'll try to do other sleazy things but they won't do those ones
0: And, and chances are as long as you didn't make an offer that is you know absurdly low if you walk away. You'll probably get a call a couple hours later or a day later, saying, "Hey, are you still interested in that car? I think we can do a I think we can do a deal for you."
3: A call you'll get a hundred and eighty oh, yeah. calls like well, it won't yeah. stop. You'll get a call, you get a text. They'll put up like a plane with a banner, "Hey Nicole, what are you, are you still interested in that car?" Like <laughs> they're gonna make sure they come back to you.
4: I, oh. I went to a dealer. We wanted to buy a Honda Civic hatchback. That's what we wanted, and we went in. They're like, "Oh, we don't have it, but we have this, or we have this, and we have well, we have this one, but it's this year, and we have this and this." And finally it's like all right well, we're just going to leave and suddenly they found the right the, the 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 correct generation of Honda Civic hatchback that we wanted at the price we wanted and it was just like why did you why did we go you just wasted everyone's time including yours you could have sold two cars in the time that you spent 2 right. hours trying to talk me into buying you know something else Yeah that's that's the kind of
0: nonsense that makes people hate dealers you know but if it you is. can if you can find a dealer that doesn't do that sort of thing and, and they are out there You'll you'll be a lot yeah. better off.
3: Search for the one that you feel right at. Go with a dealership that feels right for you. And if your friends recommend another one, you walk into it, you hate it. Find another one. Go someplace where you like the people you're spending all your money with.
0: Yeah. Yep. It, all right. I think that's enough for uh, for this week. Um, anything, uh, any last thoughts you guys want to share this week? No. Uh,
3: I have no other thoughts. I need coffee. That's my thought right now. So. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, if, you, if you like the show, make sure you uh, please give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else where they have podcast ratings to help people find us. And And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if
3: you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6.
1: Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol.